Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Cooperative this morning. Beautiful, beautiful Thursday morning. Listen, this is Women's Month. National uh, March is Women's Month, celebrating women and the history of women. National Women's History Project's theme for this year is Nevertheless, She Persisted, honoring women who fight for all forms of discrimination against women. Last month was uh, Black History Month. Women's History Month is this month. And this day, we have Christina Jennings, the Executive Director of Shared Capital Cooperatives. Good morning, Christina. Good morning, Vernon. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on and all that you do. What is Shared Capital? So Shared Capital Cooperative is a cooperatively owned loan fund that brings financing, brings um, access to capital to cooperative businesses and housing groups around the country, so throughout the U.S. And we, um, as I said, we're cooperatively owned, so we're actually owned by cooperatives who borrow from us, who invest in us, and uh, make sure there's capital available for new co-ops and and expansions and, and supporting the cooperative sector. New co-ops, expansion, and how many members do you have? How many cooperative members? Yeah, we have 225, a little more than 225 cooperative members in 35 states and the District of Columbia. 35 states and D.C. All right. So 225 different co-ops came together, or so many of them came together to form Shared Capital Cooperative, and now they own it. So it's a cooperative owned by businesses. Yeah, so we write like a credit union, but the members are uh, we're not a we're not a regulated credit union, but structured you know similarly as a cooperative, but our our members, our owners are business, primarily businesses. They're the cooperatives themselves who want to make sure that there's capital available for the cooperative sector. So we actually founded 40 years ago by a group of co-op managers and and organizers who wanted to have more ready access to the financing they needed to support their businesses. 40-year-old, all right. And do you have any idea how many co-ops came together? I think it was a it was a small number initially. You know, 7 to 10 I think were the original with the original group. Mm-hmm. Pooled a very small amount of capital, less than $1,000 and shared that money, thus the name, uh, shared their money uh, w- between each other to buy new new ec- small equipment and things like that. And over time, we grew, and we're now um $11 million fund that is working uh, throughout the U.S. From 1000 to $11 million. Been a long path. <laughs> That's 11,000 times its original start. Okay. <laughs> That's a wonderful story. And just real quickly, do you all have many defaults where people don't pay we back have their really, Yeah, we have a really low default rate. I have to say that uh, relative to a lot of other uh, loan funds that lend to small businesses, I think the cooperatives are, are, pretty, are very diligent about uh, paying because they recognize this money is, is uh, really from the sector and for the sector, and they want to they make sure it gets repaid. So we have a very low default rate, um, less than um, uh, less than two and a half percent over our entire history. Uh, I, I went there r- real quickly because that seems to be the norm um, for it, people loaning money to the cooperative sector. They they pay back their money. They do. Yes, you're right. And. Uh, Dr. Jessica Gordon-Emhart, who wrote the book Collective Carrot, said that for cooperative business, if you look at them after five years, about 90% of them are still in business, where a capitalistic business, only about 10 to 15% are still in business. So 
it looks like if you're in a co- cooperative business, you'll stay in business longer and be more successful. And therefore, you'll pay back your bills. <laughs> Neat. That's right. Yeah, I think there's a there's a mission commitment, and there's a and the business model. I think we we've seen it as more stable. So during the recession. Um, you know, a lot of businesses were really hard hit. Uh, the co-ops uh, were able to really weather that well. And we, um, when we would tell our, our investors and tell our peers uh, that we had a zero delinquency rate during most of the, of the recession, you know, they they maybe didn't believe us initially, but it's <laughs> true that they were. You know, our, our co-ops were paying us. Um, if they if they had money, they were going to make their payments. So you're talking about 07, 08, 09? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So the rest of the banking world is, I don't know, folks are jumping out of windows almost uh, because people are not, they don't have the money to pay back. Particularly, it's, it's interesting, it starts with the mortgages. Couldn't pay back mortgages, and then it just sort of trickled all the way through the system, but not for shared capital cooperative. Okay, that's great news. Listen, what I would like to do is if you could tell us, the audience, how they could get a hold of you if somebody wants to start a cooperative or um, they need a, a co-op that needs a loan or they may want to join. How do they get a hold Absolutely. of you? Yeah, you can uh, find information on uh, the Internet at sharedcapital.coop uh, or you can give us a call at 612 767 2100. Also, info at if you want to email. But our, our website has information and ways to contact us if you want to go there. Okay, so that's shared, S H A R E D, capital C A P I T A L. Correct. Dot yes. co op. Correct. Okay, not the Washington D.C. capital O L. Okay, correct. Yes, I, I may. I'll make you do the spelling. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. All right, I've made that mistake so many times. So yes, uh, uh, we, we get asked it a lot. I should I should spell it out for you, but I wasn't going to risk that. Have you do it? How long have you been in this business? So I've been with Shared Capital for 10 years, um, and that was really when I came to um, the cooperative sector was 10 years ago. Before that, I've been in in general in community development finance, which I consider Shared Capital part of, um, for about 20 years, uh, but was a, maybe a latecomer to the cooperative. So, how did you get to the cooperative movement then? Well, I had I certainly had been around co-ops. I'd seen co-ops. I I knew um, of some great stories of cooperatives from work. I spent some time in Central America when I was in college and just out of college. I had the chance to see coffee cooperatives and other types of um, agricultural cooperatives that made a, a big difference in people's lives there. Saw some cooperatives in the U.S., but I wasn't really involved in it. And I had been, I'd gotten excited about the possibility of, of um, microfinance and small loans to people who typically didn't have access to them and um, worked in that field for a number of years, both in the U.S., running a loan fund here, and also um, working with uh, microfinance organizations in Central America and and raising capital to support uh, to help them do their work. And through that work, I think there was a lot of really positive things, but I think one thing that was frustrating was that Really, we're putting capital in the hands of individual entrepreneurs, women, folks who um, are living in poverty, but we're not changing the fundamental systems in which they operate. And so it felt like um, there's only so far they could go, mm-hmm. it, um, that they were trying to navigate markets and distribution and all of those things, but didn't necessarily have all the tools. And a cooperative, can, as an organized body, can really help you know, push past some of those barriers I saw. And so I was really excited when I had the opportunity to come to Shared Capital and and uh, engage in that way. Well, you said you got late in your career. Well, I didn't find out about co-ops until about 20 years ago, but I was already 50. So I was, I was amazed that I did not get it in college. What college did you go to that you even got knowledge about co-ops? 
Well, I went to a pretty a pretty funky college, Hampshire College. It's in Western Massachusetts. The grade school, you design your own major, you work really closely with faculty. I actually didn't learn much about co-ops there either. I guess I heard about them a little bit, but didn't really study them there. Mm-hmm. I was uh, studying alternative economic models, and you'd think that would be part of it, but it right. wasn't necessarily a, a, a formal focus at that time. That was late 80s, early 90s, and folks weren't talking about them that much. Well, I got nothing in three degrees. I got no <laughs> knowledge about co-ops. And I find that people don't know about co-ops, which is the reason that National Cooperative Bank is sponsoring this program so that we can get the word out about co-ops. So you've told people how to reach you. Go to sharedcapital.coop or send an um, email at info at sharedcapital.coop or call 612-767-2100. Uh, what would they do if they wanted to get a loan? If So you only loan to co-ops? Only co-ops, yeah. Co-ops of any kind, but only to co-ops. So what would a co-op need to do if they wanted, let's say if it's a, a somebody wanted to start a co-op. So you got somebody wants to start up a co-op. What would they do to, to apply for and perhaps get a loan from shared capital? Yeah, so they would uh, give us a call and we would uh, put them on the phone with one of our loan officers. We have a couple of loan officers who would talk through the process, find out more about the business. What are they trying to do? What resources they have? And frankly, at, at an early stage, if they're still just thinking about starting, we'd help them connect with resources that might be out there, folks who can uh, support them in, in designing the business and thinking about the governance structure for their cooperative. And um, But it's never too early to have a conversation. We're happy to talk to folks who are at any stage of thinking about um, cooperative startup or expansion or and sometimes we also see cooperatives that need financing to help them stabilize uh, because they've had some hard times. So we see all of those. Mm-hmm. And it, it's never too, too early to have a conversation. We, talk, you know, I think we're, we're, uh, our, our role is to be a friendly lender, a cooperative lender that uh, is going to understand their business model and can offer some guidance on capital structures for them that might work, what role we can play, who else they might go to. So, no, you know, any any time that folks are thinking about possibly borrowing or needing to borrow for a co-op project, we're happy to talk to them. So you do more than loan money. Yeah. So loaning money is a part of it. You got contacts that would help them with their technical support, governance support, whatever they might need. So anybody out there, if you are thinking about a business, then you want a you want a financial partner that's really interested in your success in this sound like what share capital is. Um, yeah, as a, as a cooperative ourselves, I mean, we, we have firsthand experience with many of those challenges uh, and the strength of the cooperative model, but we also... Christina, um, we, we've yeah. got to take our first break. I'm sorry. I was so interested. No I forgot all about it. Thank you. We'll be Thanks. right back. Please don't touch that dial. Washington, D.C.'s News Talk, 1450 AM, WOL, and 95.9 FM. Information is power. That's why WOL makes a great, great partner, because the National Co-op Bank is sponsoring this program to get the information you might need to start a co-op or find a co-op, join a co-op, expand your co-op, as we're talking to Christina uh, Jennings this morning from Shared Capital. Christina, you were talking about you, that not only do you loan money, but you help people with the technology or the governance, and you really want to get to know the people and the business. Why? Why would you go through all of that? Banks don't do that normally. They get a little sense of it. Yeah, no, I mean, we know that for, the, for any business to be successful, that there's a, a small businesses need support of all different types, and and we don't try to provide all of that support. We we plug into a broad network of cooperative developers, cooperative consultants, folks who understand business and understand cooperatives, and we make those connections. And we really focus our assistance on questions about um, how how to finance cooperative projects and and build capital. But we know all of that is critical. That 
access to technical assistance, advice, training is what's going to ultimately make make the business successful for the cooperative. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the financing alone doesn't, you know, in most cases is not enough. Well, the financing alone is not enough, and I guess that's why co-ops are so successful and they end up paying back. They have the knowledge to be successful, and they have loyalty if you're going through helping to make sure they're successful. Absolutely. Yeah, We've uh, our, our member base, I mean, our, our structure really is unique among lenders to uh, among loan funds for cooperatives. Um, you know, NCB as a cooperative itself has that membership base, and then we have – we too have this structure that ensures that we are attuned to what co-ops need for financing and that it's capital that's actually controlled by the cooperatives and by the cooperative sector. We have other investors who come in as allies and want to support co-ops, but ultimately the ownership of the fund is the co-ops and, and they are the ones who um, help you know drive our mission and our vision and, and keep, us, um, keep us honest in, in moving that work forward. Okay, so if they want to get information, they go to your webpage or send your email or call. Got that. What is the process for getting a loan? Yeah, we have an application process where we try to gather as much information. There are usually a number of phone conversations since we're working with folks all over the country. Sometimes we can sit down face-to-face. Sometimes it's by phone really making sure we understand the the business that they are in, understand the cooperative, that it's a cooperative. We, you know, we since we only lend to cooperatives, we need to understand um, that, in fact, it is a cooperative. And then, you know, um, so they fill out an application, and we take that through our um, – we have a loan committee that makes all of our lending decisions. It's a committee of our board. Uh, our board is elected by our members, uh, so all of – all of our members can nominate folks to the board, and, and they they vote for the board. And those and that board chooses the loan committee based on folks out of the cooperative sector who understand um, different kinds of co-ops, understand co- uh, cooperative housing, worker-owned co-ops, food co-ops, um, uh, small farmer co-ops, etc. And so they we have folks who are on our loan committee who who spend quite a bit of time reviewing um, the proposals. And assessing whether uh, they think it's a good credit risk. Uh, our goal is to get the money into co-ops' hands, but at the end of the day, we also have the goal of making sure we can return our money uh, to our members who are uh, giving us their hard-earned sa- uh, savings to support other cooperatives. And so, we also want to make sure that you know the business is going to be successful and be able to repay. So, do that assessment, and I'll tell you, very rarely do we say no. Sometimes we do say. We need you to do these things uh, before we're ready to make you a loan. But um, it's all usually a process of trying to figure out how to make the loan. So it's a process to figure out how to get to yes. How to get to yes, exactly. You're a strange banker. You're a strange banker. Yeah, I didn't come out of banking, so maybe that's why. Yeah. <laughs> we we want to make a loan. How do we get the yes? Okay, here's some things yeah. you might need yeah. to do in order for us to get the yes. All right. And that's yeah. probably in the thing that they would have to do that you would recommend would be things that would cause the business to be successful. I mean, that's the goal, right? I mean, yeah. we want, if the business isn't successful, um, then then a loan hasn't done them any good. Um, saddling them with debt is not a good thing if, if they're not going to be successful or, or it's a loan they can't repay. I think one of, our folk, one of the things we worry about um, is making good loans. I think often when borrowers, and this is true for individuals in the mortgage crisis, if, if the loan goes bad, we tend to blame the person who borrowed the money. In fact, you know, as we know from the housing crisis, the mortgage crisis, um, often it's the lender who made the mistake, didn't structure it in a way that worked for the for the folks who were borrowing. And so I think we really try to take that to heart and make sure we're doing the right thing. That's a nice view. That's a different view. Hmm. And I, I do have at the 0708 with the different types of loans that were made were designed to fail. They yeah. Couldn't make it. Um, That's right. Okay. They weren't concerned about the the financial future of the people who were borrowing. You're right. They were looking for making money and getting uh, getting bonuses and so on. And yeah, that's definitely not the way we want to work. 
So there are, you make loans to all types of co-ops. So real quickly, the four types of co-ops that I normally talk about on this program are a worker co-op. That's the co-op is owned and controlled by the employees. A consumer cooperative it's owned and controlled by the people that buy or uses the service or products. And a lot of times those are housing and food co-ops. Although food co-ops could be a worker co-op, could be owned by the workers or the the shoppers, uh, or both. Um, so you get the different consumer co-ops. And then you have the purchasing co-ops and the marketing co-ops, uh, which farmers and artists are using both of those a lot. But there's a purchasing co-op here in the D.C. area called Community Purchasing Alliance, and they have uh, charter schools and nonprofits to help them buy things like trash and solar and copy machines, and they've been able to save save them a lot of money. So you have those four different types of, of co-ops. So you loan to all of those? That's, that's correct. We do, yeah. So we make about um, almost half of our loans are to housing cooperatives of all different kinds, usually small housing cooperatives. Uh, We'll often refer big projects to the National Co-op Bank. Uh, We're not big enough to do all all housing projects. Uh, And then we also about then about half are a variety of different kinds of of uh, other types of cooperatives. And I think one of the one of the critical things for us is is we are set up to support uh, access to capital for for individuals and for, who are in co-ops who don't have access. And so the focus is on co-ops that are being organized by low-income communities, by women, by communities of color who typically can't go into a bank and get uh, get a loan. And so that's been a focus of ours for, for a number of decades. Um, and so, for example, last year, 95% of our loans went to low-income women and people of color owned cooperatives 95 percent to women Correct. and people of color and low income owned yeah so okay. really wanting to focus on where capital where where folks don't have capital access where you know we have 11 million dollars doesn't go that far uh, and so we know we need to be strategic about um you know having an impact and that's how we do that Okay, I'm a property manager. That's where I learned about co-ops, managing housing co-ops. And we have most of the properties have uh, significant uh, replacement reserves. What kind of return could they get if they put their money into shared capital? Yeah, the average return, we just like a co-op business model doesn't um, – uh, you know, we don't offer a high return, but we offer a steady return. So our members can invest and uh, get a return of an average of about three percent, um, and depending on how willing, how long they can commit their funds. Uh, and you know, that's that's not a bad return in today's market. But it's uh, some folks are looking for the higher return. But what I think we we remind them that uh, they're having a huge social impact. Uh, impact on communities, and then they're also, uh, frankly, getting a stable investment. Uh, we've all we've never failed to repay an investor uh, in full, and uh, we have a, a, a nice track record for our members to know that they'll get their money back. What I would like to be able to do is talk to the co-ops that I manage and see about putting some of their money in shared capital. Three percent is more than. 0.5 or 1% that CDs exactly. are playing, and but also there's the social aspect of it. Um, yeah, hmm. our members are just uh, fabulous in that they, you know, they're they're putting their money in both because they need they do they need a return because they need to um, support their business, mm-hmm. but they also recognize that um, cooperation among cooperatives is is a big driver for our members to invest with us, and That's the so we'd be percent. happy. Yeah, we'd be happy to talk with you and and uh, and share information to help uh, help you uh, communicate that with with uh, with those co-ops. Okay, we're going to take our second break here in a few in a minute or half a minute. But what I wanted to ask you to do when we come back is if you could talk about some of the loans, not by the names of the people necessarily, but the types of different loans you've made to do these different four types. And I'm really interested in what loans you make to housing co-ops on the other side. So 
when we come back on, if you could give us some examples of loans and, and or if there's any detailed processes or any issues that you had in processing stuff and how you were able to get over it. But we'll be right back. Washington, D.C.'s News Talk, 1450 AM WOL at 95.9 FM. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. The program is Everything Cooperative. And this morning we have Miss Christina Jennings from Shared Capital Cooperative as our guest this morning. And the National Cooperative Bank is a sponsor of this program and NCB's mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, especially in low-income communities, by providing innovative financial and related services. Sounds like, uh, Christina, you all have a very similar mission. We we do, and we actually, National Cooperative Bank is a key partner. They're actually a member of ours, which we are um, very excited about, and they also um, are a financial partner in a lot of projects that we finance. Um, so, uh, have a lot of overlap in our mission, absolutely. Okay. I didn't know they were a partner and a member. That's great. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, Chuck uh, Snyder, the president of NCB, has been on the program about three times, and he almost blushes when I tell him Miss McDonald from, oh, which um, co-op was she from? She said that Chuck and his group are angels, <laughs> the work that they do. Oh, <laughs> uh, she's from Cabot Creamer, I think. Oh, I hope yeah. I got it right. Okay. Well, we're, we're, and you know, I think our experience with them is that they've been incredibly collaborative with with us. Um, you know, there there could be places where we could be competing for loans, and instead, their team and I really. Um, and with a commitment starting at the top with Chuck, have been really clear that we're we're all going to be better off. The cooperative sector is better off if we uh, collaborate, and that's exactly you know the way they've approached their work with us and the way we approach our work with them. And so they're a great partner. Collaborate or cooperate. Okay. Yeah, they yep. work in, and that's the sixth principle again: cooperations among cooperatives. Uh, they serve their members most effectively and strengthen the cooperative movement by working together through local, national, regional, and international structures. So they're doing it. You're doing it. Great. So can you give us some examples maybe from each of the cooperative sectors of the kinds of loans you've made? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, you know, I'll start with a housing co-op project that um, is one of one that I love to share uh, because uh, it's a, a townhouse, a group of townhouses that are owned as a cooperative um, in Indianapolis, Indiana, and they have been around for, I think they became a cooperative in the 1940s. It was originally railroad worker um, housing, and um, they have, um, as it, it became a cooperative and has been a really important affordable housing option for um, for its residents um, with townhomes that were were really affordable to to low-income and moderate-income families. And uh, a number of winters ago, they um, their boiler went out. Mm. It was a cold winter, and they were faced with a major repair. And um, as is often the case for many co-ops, not quite enough reserves um, in place, because it's quite common that uh, you haven't anticipated that, that scale of repair. So they went to their local bank, um, and I think the, the good local bank, a community bank, but for the local bank, um, the $150,000 uh, price tag just wasn't enough to make it worth their while to navigate through uh, trying to make a loan to a co-op. They didn't really understand co-ops, the, yep. uh, didn't understand the, the structure, how the equity worked, how the membership worked. And for $150,000, uh, that's just, uh, for many banks, that's a small loan. Now, my but understanding, if I could stop you a minute, my understanding yeah, is for the banks, they also look for somebody to sign. Uh, and That's right. So they look for an individual to sign. And they, banks, in my training with banks, they, they look for three things. They look for getting their money back. 
they look for getting their money back, and they look for getting their money back. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> and the way they get, they know they get their money back is that people have collateral. So they make loans to people that already have assets yeah. so that if they fell on that 150000 they can go grab their boat or their house or their stocks or bonds or whatever to pay back their money to get their money back. And so most low-income people don't have the assets. So that makes another reason that banks, they, they don't have the person they can go after to sign it. It's a group of people, and the people normally don't have the assets. So that's why banks mostly can't deal with co-ops, that I understand. That's, a, that's exactly right, Renan. That's, uh, that's exactly it. Now, the interesting thing in this case is that here they have these these townhomes. They're in good repair. Um, they have no mortgage on them, so they are owned free and clear by the co-op, and they still can't get a loan despite the collateral. Um, how, how, how many complicated. How many, how many co- uh, townhomes do you know? Do you remember that? I think it's about 14 townhomes. And they're, so it's a property with some value and yet yeah. still well more than the, what they're – they're looking at a $150,000 loan, and they the value of the property is way, is way above that. Um, mm. So they contacted us, and we did two things. We got them that loan so they could get a new boiler in place. And we worked with them to get uh, more um, reserves in place so that they would be better able to so to get a process where they're setting aside more each month um, to be able to make sure that if, if uh, for, for the next repairs, they always come, that they'll have the funds to do that. But, um, you know, it's, it's one that you'd think a bank would be able to make, and yet it really just frankly, because of size, and we see that with, with small businesses and housing, that often conventional banks don't want to uh, sort of mess around with a small loan, not worth their time. The amount of interest they get won't pay for the processing and how much time it would take to do it. If That's exactly right. It takes the same effort to do a million-five loan as a $150,000 loan. So, okay. Yeah, you got it exactly right. Got it. So that's that's one. Um, I mean, I think it's a, a good example of where we can where we can step in and really play a role. Um, another would be I could share um, about a small farmer cooperative. Um, we uh, work with a group called. Um, well, I guess I'm not mentioning names, but on the you, web, you can if you want to. I just didn't want to make it a part of the question. But if you want sure. to, if it's okay with them, fine. Yeah, it's in the Pacific Northwest, it's a group of um, sustainable flower growers, and they, uh, so all of these small farmers, they're growing sustainably grown uh, flowers, and what they found find is that the it's tough um, maintaining an adequate presence in the market. How do they get these out to the people who want them? So they actually created, collectively came together and created a a wholesale marketplace in Seattle. Uh, these are farmers from Alaska, from Washington State, from Oregon, and they um, all sell through this marketplace that they collectively own. Um, and so this had been operating a couple of years, um, but they were finding that in order to grow, they needed some working capital, some money that they could use just to operate. And so they approached us, and we were able to make them a line of credit, a small line of credit to help them, um, you know, just uh, maintain their operations in the low season so they could really keep their presence. And so we've actually done that a few years in a row, um, great borrower, and um, really helping make help those small farmers be successful by having uh, having this outlet where they can where they can reach the public. And what is a small line of credit? Oh, let's start seventy five thousand dollars. So not okay. not um, not a big. A dollar amount, but it's enough to get them through their low season, and uh, they have pretty low operating costs. Uh, but again, no, there was no, as you mentioned, collateral was an issue in mm-hmm. this case, as you uh, gave a great illustration of, of uh, that being really the primary problem that cooperatives run into. Uh, and then the second issue was it was just again very a small amount of money for most banks to look at. Um, but a great a great project for us supported the members uh, supported um, great small farmers who are trying to do good do good do good by the environment and their community and and, and make a living um, but uh, it needed they needed a little bit of of cash to help make that possible so that's where we were able to step in so just for anybody out there that doesn't know what a line of credit is it just they can come in and get money when they need it. And they may need it when they're not selling their flowers to buy flower seeds or fertilizer or 
gas for their tractors, but whatever they might need in the off seasons when they don't have cash coming in so that they can prepare the ground and grow the flowers and they'll get the money back during the season and pay back the loan. That's how it works. That's exactly right. Thanks, sir. Yep. Um, Okay. What else? You got a housing co-op, which is a consumer cooperative. You got a farmer's cooperative, which is. Yeah, I could share about a food cooperative if uh, okay. if you'd like. Um, we we've worked with a number of startup food cooperatives. A lot of communities have been organizing around wanting access to to healthy food, wanting a, a grocery store in their community that they can rely on um, as. Big big box stores have have uh, moved a lot of grocery out of local communities, we've, as we've all seen. And so we worked uh, we've worked with um, a number of projects. One of them uh, in in North Carolina is a group that had no grocery store for um, almost 20 years. Uh, the community had been asked had been working to get a grocery store to come back into their community. They weren't able to do it. It's primarily African American community. Um, and also, prim- and there was a um, large public um, public housing project right next to the site that they wanted a grocery store. They wanted to bring access to um, to healthy food to um, you know w- within uh, within reach of the local residents. And so the community, um, after working to get a chain in for years, finally decided enough was enough, and they wanted to they were going to take matters into their own hands and and bring a cooperative and create a cooperative themselves. What's, what, city, so, what city is this in this, Africa? This is in Greensboro, North Carolina. And is that called a Renaissance? It is, yes. Okay. So we worked, yeah, we worked with Renaissance Co-op um, early on um, when they were working to get commitments from other uh, other funders, other lenders. Um, we um, were able to step forward and provide a commitment of financing, um, which helped uh, then them get others to to agree to step forward and put money in um, and so worked with that community and you know uh, to get that store open so it opened about a year and a half ago it's not an easy job running a grocery store and so uh, never never a simple task we see that with co-ops all over the the country you know you've got um, the grocery market is a tough one um, mm-hmm. but um, they were able to bring a, a store to their own to their community organized by local residents, and, and uh, we were thrilled to be a part of uh, helping make that happen, along with a lot of other fun, uh, fund, funding sources that came forward. You know, it's a, that is, they've been on the program, uh, somebody from, from yeah. the Renaissance, and their story, as I recall it, is a phenomenal story that when dixie or some big box closed down, and it was sitting there vacant, and uh, they didn't have food. And it seemed like the store was doing well, profitably-wise, but the owners, for whatever reason, decided to leave that community. Um, and so the people decided to do something for themselves. And, and the, one of the values of co-ops is self-help. Uh, and one of the ways of doing it is joining together. And they started, I think, at $10 membership. Maybe it was $100. But some smaller member. Oh, it was a hundred dollar membership, and they could pay ten dollars a month or something to to get in. It made it very reasonable, and I think they got a thousand members, and they got the city to help them. And then, lo and behold, a shared capital cooperative came in and helped. <laughs> Need a great story. Yeah, that's, that is. It's a great project, and and um, there are communities around the country who are you know who are looking to their example and. Um, wanting wanting to bring grocery stores into their their local communities and and so yeah, they're an inspiring story. So I I've uh, been talking uh, to a group in Baltimore and a group in D.C. about about this. Um, but I might tell them about you guys too. And we're going to take our third and final break. Uh, so, um, <laughs> but before we do. We've talked to food co-ops, housing co-ops, and a farmer's cooperative. You have another one that you can tell us about. We have a minute before we go into a break. Right. Yeah, I can tell you about a worker cooperative. Um, 
we um, there there are a lot of different ex- examples. One is a group of um, uh, of uh, mas- massage therapists and acupuncturists, and they wanted to start their own business because they were sort of sick of working for other people and not making much money. Mm-hmm. Decided to form a cooperative, and we were able to help finance that. Um, that was a seventeen thousand dollar loan, so um, quite quite small dollar amount, but made a huge difference for folks who didn't have a lot of assets themselves, um, but were hardworking, wanted to get we'll, get the business up and running. We'll come back and get the other worker cooperatives. We'll be right back. Washington, D.C.'s News Talk, 1450 AM, WOL, and 95.9 FM. Information is power. This is Vernon Oaks. The program is Everything Cooperative. And Ms. Christina Jennings is our guest, who is the executive director of Shared Capital Cooperative. And before we left, you were talking about worker cooperatives. You had several of them to talk about. Please continue. Yeah, so we've we've worked with a lot of worker cooperatives. We actually have a program called the Worker Ownership Loan Fund that um, really focuses on uh, financing for cooperative for worker cooperatives with the goal of creating jobs, creating living wage jobs in low-income communities, um, and we partner with um, with folks who are organizing cooperatives around the country to to make that uh, to make that work. Um, another example we're seeing uh, an a lot of interest in in converting existing businesses to worker ownership. And so we've had the opportunity to finance a number of projects that um, support the workers as they buy an existing business from the current owners. So one example would be a construction company, and the owners um, wanted to continue to work in the business, but they wanted – they had really – uh, loyal employees who were who they recognized as key to the success of the business, and they wanted to uh, share the business uh, with them and be able to eventually uh, move out and 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 uh, step out of the business in the future. So they saw worker ownership as a way both to retain loyal workers and also to allow them, you know, as a way to transition out of the business over time. Um, successfully and ensure the long-term success of that business they had spent years building. And so we were able to work with uh, with the outgoing, with the, with the owners and with the workers to mm-hmm. come up with a, a way for the workers to buy that. The current owners provided some financing. We were able to provide some financing, and that was about a $400,000 project, and we shared um, we shared that project with another loan fund that we collaborate with quite frequently. And um, Make, make help them uh, make that transition. So they are currently in the process of transitioning ownership, and uh, the workers uh, taking taking on ownership of that business. Was the total price of the construction company four hundred thousand, or that was the part Correct. that you all financed? Well, that was the part we financed, and then there was uh, some additional financing uh, from the from owners. the owners. Yeah. Neat, neat. Well, to I went to the, the s- keep the jobs in the local community for the long haul that way, which I think is is so critical. I've been to a couple of meetings in Cincinnati, Cincinnati Union Cooperative Movement, and the big one there is the conversion of manufacturing companies. And I was just amazed at the number of different manufacturing companies that are owned by baby boomers that are looking for people to buy them. And some of them just close shop because they don't have anybody to buy them and that people lose their jobs. And if we get people to know there's another option, you employees can buy this company. Um, and they can go to Share Capital and other places to get help. Both, you can tell them about the technical support they might need of how to do the governance, et cetera. Ah, it's all great stories. How do we get the message out to people so that these businesses don't close? Because that means the owners have lost money if they just close the business. And, okay. and the, the community's lost job. jobs. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, true. So we got a construction company. We have a massages, masseuses, and chiropractors. Uh, Seventeen thousand dollars that helped them, and four hundred thousand dollars to construction company. Got another one? I like these. Yeah, um, you know, one one that's kind of a fun example of cooperation among co-ops is another startup food co-op. Here was a, a cooperative that was getting started um, in in uh, New York State, and they um, were. Um, they got a lot of support from other cooperatives in advice and 
and uh, w- w- but and they, and they came to us for financing. Um, also got financing from a local bank provided financing for equipment. We provided financing uh, for their working capital and some and leasehold improvements. All these things that they needed that no one really wants to finance in a conventional bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were able to do some of that. But we can only do so much. We, we as, as I mentioned, we're not uh, we're we're still really a small fund at the end of the day, and we want to make sure our funds are available for um, a lot of projects. So we have a cap on how much we can lend, and and they needed more than we could provide. Um, and and that was a, a great example of some of their allies, other co-ops, uh, other food co-ops around the country came together, and twenty of them put together. Um, about $200,000 that they invested through shared capital, um, and we made we made the co-op a loan for $200,000, and each of those co-ops brought in about you know five to five to twenty thousand dollars each, and we pooled that together and made that loan to the co-op uh, that uh, would have been a nightmare for the co-op to manage all those loans, um, mm-hmm. but we're set up to do that, so we could. We could get them the money they needed, um, still hold to our policies, um, and, and the, amount, the most that we could lend uh, was less than they needed. And so it, it really was a great example of the co-op stepping up to support each other. So you had 20 food co-ops give about five to 10000 each, and they get up $200,000. Correct. And then they give that money to you guys to manage. That's right. So we manage that loan. We um, we make the payments to the to all those food co-ops, uh-huh. um, and um, and the co-op gets the money it needs, and it gets the support from the from the other co-ops. Um, and we had that's happened on a number. We've had that type of model we've used before. Uh, sometimes sometimes it's because they need the money from the other co-ops. Sometimes it's because the other co-ops want to you know want to invest and are looking for a way to invest directly. And that's a way to do it. So they essentially guarantee that loan, um, which allows us to, uh, you know, to, to, as I said, sort of stick to our policies, which is that there's a cap on how much we can lend to any to a single to a single borrower, but get them the, the funds they needed. All right. And the, and the community gets a food co-op. Yes. And if it's a co-op, well, let me ask you this question: Do you like your work? I do. I love. Yeah, I've you know I've worked in a lot of different loan funds over the years. I've worked with, um, in other areas, and this uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really passionate about what shared capital does. Um, one of the things that I like the most is that we are a cooperative. I'd never run a cooperative before I came to shared capital, but um, and and I'll be honest. I wasn't exactly clear why it mattered that we were cooperative when I came on. I fortunately had enough sense not to say that in my interview. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I I knew I loved that we were working with co-ops, but I wasn't sure why it, I didn't think it mattered that we were. And I very quickly learned that that was not the case. I think, you know, within six months, I was completely sold that it that being a cooperative was the right structure. And the reason is that we are accountable to our members and and our members are cooperatives who are looking out for the long-term success of co-ops. We're not accountable to foundations. I mean, if we get money from foundations, then we we obviously have an obligation to them, but that's not our membership. Uh, And so we're, we're thinking about our members first and foremost, and our members have really stuck with us uh, for you know, for over the years, sometimes through tough times and sometimes through good times, um, mm-hmm. I don't think we'd be necessarily be around today if we were answering to foundations rather than co-ops, because foundations priorities change over time. Um, our members are really clear on what they want this fund to do, and so um, that means we can provide capital to cooperatives with a really clear focus, not. We're not uh, shifting around based on where, what funding is available and what foundations want us to do today. Um, but the other thing is we, we have a business approach to our work that not all nonprofits have. So, you know, we're not developing programs because that's what's fundable today. We're, we're looking at how we can run a, a sustainable, profitable business for our membership. And, and I love that. That's, yeah, that, that makes it all worthwhile. Well, you answered the question before I asked, what lessons have you learned? In six months, you learned a lot. <laughs> okay. Why a co-op? Okay. 
any other lessons that you could pass on to the audience of what you've learned, either particularly about co-ops, what makes them the, the, whether it's a worker co-op that you're working with or a consumer co-op, whatever, or your own cooperative, what, what are the kinds of things you've, you've learned about co-ops? Yeah, no, that's a great, it's a great question. I, I mean, I think I've, I've learned a lot from, um, from our cooperative, but I it's also just always inspiring the groups. I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm incredibly lucky to be in an organization that is getting to interact with all different types of cooperatives and communities across the country. So I get to see um, really, really committed individuals dedicating their time to um, building a better community, um, building um, financial uh, stability, and and helping build wealth for. Uh, low in- for their for themselves as members of low income communities, um, just the the self help components of it, the commitment to other cooperatives, um, is really inspiring. So I, I get to have a vantage point of not just um, my own cooperative that I get to uh, be a part of, but I also get to see that. Um, I'd say the one other thing is that um, you know I think uh, we as an organization, and this this doesn't have to be unique to cooperatives. But I think it is often true for cooperatives. I think we are really hold values about how we um, operate as a business, um, and I think that is that is a, a cooperative, a core cooperative value. Um, when I've worked for some nonprofit organizations that mm-hmm. that didn't that didn't pay living wages to their employees or didn't uh, weren't committed to you know they were asking their employees to do a lot and cha- help change the world and make the community a better place but they weren't necessarily uh, recognizing that how they behaved right. uh, was should be part of that. Um, when I was just getting started after. Uh, college, I, I had a job working for a nonprofit that was doing fabulous work, uh, fighting corporate greed. But we worked 50 hours a week. I had uh, no maternity leave when my daughter was born. And I had um, little money. I was, had poverty wages. <laughs> yeah. when, so uh, you know, I mean, yeah. really important work. But um, we, as an organization, try to make sure we're also modeling and 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 living the values. That's the that last. For. That's the last word: modeling and living the values. Listen, thank you so much, very much, Christina, and everybody out there. Please have a wonderful cooperative week. Washington, D.C.'s News Talk, 1450 AM, WOF, and 95.9 FM.